Hello, and welcome to the How Fitting Podcast, where you get to hear from independent fashion designers and entrepreneurs about how they grow their business, making clothes that fit their customer and values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Shanna Melnick of Shanna Britta. So Shanna, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, So I am a fashion designer and uh, I focus on women's uh, contemporary clothing and I um, do anything from custom made pieces to um, ready to wear clothing, anything from swimsuits, coats, dresses, you name it. I just love fitting and designing women. Nice. That's quite the breadth of products. So what was kind of your background before starting your own brand? Like what kind of led to, to starting that? Well, um, my, my journey started when I was, when I was little. Uh, so I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and down there, um, pageants are very big. And um, my mom and I, we did, we did a lot of pageants together. And, and through that, um, there was a lot of designing and playing with different designs of clothing. And I think what was, um, what I learned the most about is that my mom was so amazing about um, body shapes and what looked great on women and what worked and what didn't work. And um, we would always just talk about designs on other, on other people and, and our designs that we're going to do for the next, the next uh, pageant. And um, it just kind of, I just had, I loved it. And so from there, I, I knew early on that I wanted to be a fashion designer. And I knew early on that I wanted my, my name to be Shanna Bretta. And Bretta is my middle name. And so from there, I went to school. I went to Purdue. I then, um, I, got, uh, I got a BS at uh, Purdue. Uh, I got a apparel design and technology. And then I went to FIT, Fashion Institute in New York. And um, I got I got another degree there. And from there, um, I then studied in Europe uh, for a summer. And I got to see all the French couture houses and I absolutely fell in love with the craftsmanship that, you know, Laven and Christian Lacroix. And uh, from there, I uh, worked for Michael Faircloth. He, um, he's an amazing designer in Dallas. He does these extravagant gowns and everything's custom fit. And um, he did Laura Bush's inauguration gown. So I learned a lot from him. And then from there, I lived in Houston for a while and I was a design assistant to Linda Siegel. She did uh, women's contemporary clothing. We did a lot of mass production. And then I came to St. Louis where I now live and I worked for Lori Coulter, who now owns Somersault. And I did all the product development for the swimsuits. And um, so from all of this experience, from all these years and years experience, I was just gathering just knowledge and um, how to fit women, how to make something look fabulous on them. And um, I always wanted to have my own business and I had, um, I had three little girls and my, I, when I worked for Lori, um, I had my first, my first daughter, Lucy, and, you know, I worked while she, you know, while she was a baby, but, um, I just wanted to spend time with her. And so I decided to make a big career change and stay at home and, um, being a mom, staying at home and, not wanting to lose my dream. I started my business and um, I've been doing that, gosh, for, I've had my business now for maybe eight, nine years and I've kept it small just because I have three little girls. And so I've just been working, doing the juggling act. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this is where I am now. And my business has grown so much since when I first started. Um, But yeah, that's, (laughs) That's a long story, but no, that's cool to kind of see how the progression of kind of what brought you to where you are. Because I know you you offer both like in stock items as well as custom garments, right? 
Mm-hmm. So you you kind of got like that background of how to fit custom garments, what looks good on different body types. And it sounds like that was really something that you were interested in and paid attention to and studied since very early on, which is really cool because it does take an eye for that and, and mm-hmm. the skill of how to actually accomplish a good fit. Um, so that's really cool. Can you share a little bit about what your design process now is and like how do you decide what type of products to offer each season? Or do you even get like offer specific like this is the fall collection, this is spring? Um, so I guess it's a whole bunch of questions. We can start with <laughs> what's your design process like? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, oh gosh. So I do do collections. Um, so I do offer fall holiday. That is like my biggest season. And I do mini collections is kind of what I do. And I do offer a wide range of products because um, when I, I guess what, let's break it down. So I do in stocked products and the in stocked items, um, especially for fall holiday season, um, are going to be very easy to wear pieces um, like scarves, um, wraps, oversized, you know, cardigans, ponchos, and really great gifts. So, and those are the pieces that I offer in stock, especially during the holiday season. So I normally mm-hmm. don't keep stock items. And then I have. Um, pieces that I have developed the pattern. I've already made it. It, um, so for instance, like, um, I have a sweater coat that's just a top seller. Um, women just love it. And so, um, I offer the sweater coat in a variety of fabrics and then they can go through and select which fabric they want. Or if they're like, you know what, I really like this wool herringbone but can you get it like in a navy and I'll be like sure let's go find it (laughs) you know so and and I so I offer and then also I offer um customization with detailings on that like do you want pockets like for instance I want pockets with everything but I (laughs) learned that interesting enough there are some women out there who are like I want no pockets I want it to be smooth and slimming as possible and that's fine so that's what I do I offer that and then so I have those that type of customization and then I have the ultimate customization to where someone comes to me and they're like I want um, like my ultimate swimsuit my ultimate swimsuit is it's your dream swimsuit whatever you want it to be let's start it from scratch get it made and designed just for your body and um, and and so I do swimsuits like that. I do, um, you know, like for instance, I have, I'm actually working on a wedding gown right now. And so those are obviously, um, fully custom, yeah. fully custom. Yeah. Fully custom. And the whole idea behind my, my work is I want women to be able to get a custom piece straight from their phone while they're just sitting, hanging out on the couch. And I do that a lot where, I will be talking back and forth. I'll send videos. I'll send texts and we just have fun. And if people want to come in and do a consultation, if they live nearby, I'll totally hang out with them with a glass of wine and we'll play with fabric and I'll sketch (laughs) stuff for them. (laughs) Nice. That's fun. So yeah. How, how do you decide what pieces you're going to offer in your collection each year or or what types of garments you have available for customization? Sure. So um, I always do a lot of trend research. And um, so I always start with with trends and what's going on. And I kind of feel like with this whole pandemic going on, um, it has made a huge shift with mm-hmm. um, with the trends. And a lot of these trends and research are done is done a really long time ago. And so obviously with the pandemic, it kind of threw a wrench into everything. So I also... Um, plan on what I'm going to design based upon our environment and what's going on in the world and what do clients want? What do people want right now? And what do they need? So for instance, with this pandemic going on, I feel like people are just really needing some, um, some coziness, some security. Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of my pieces that I'm going to be offering uh, for this season are going to be just really, really luxurious, high quality, natural fiber um, fabrics. Like for instance, I'm going to make this cocoon sweater in this luxurious model sweater knit where you just want to wrap yourself up in it 
you know, you start your day with that cup of coffee and then you keep on wearing it until the evening with that glass of wine. Like those are the pieces that I'm definitely going to be offering this season. And a lot of times I go off of like my feeling and my emotions and what's going around me and others. And so, um, you know, a lot of people, uh, typically they, they make their collections like for fall collection, they make it like almost like nine, nine months ago or Mm -hmm. a year ago, you know, um, I, I start planning for that, that long ago, but I am one of these people. I like to tweak it and modify it as I go. And um, I think that totally works with what's going on right now. I got to take one day at a time and I'm just, I'm getting feelers as far as what, uh, what women want. And also I want to um, throw all my pieces. I just, my main focus is to empower women and have them just feel amazing about themselves. And that also kind of goes into the trends, you know, what, what type of garments look great on a woman's figure. And, and I'm those, I'm not going to do anything that's fast fashion or something extremely trendy. That's going to be in just for like a moment. And it's going to be something that looks really great on that individual. Cool. Yeah, I do think you're totally right. What we want to wear right now is changing from, you know, slightly what was predicted and also just the fashion industry is realizing maybe it's not in everybody's best interest to plan that far ahead, um, that like that's too far ahead and customers don't want to buy winter clothes in July, you know, they want to buy them in mm-hmm. September and October when it starts to get cold. And then they're like, you know, you know what I really want? I really want like a blue coat this year. You know, they're like, I'm not thinking about what I want to wear in the fall when it's cold, when it's a hundred degrees outside. So I think that's really kind of ahead of the curve on that in terms of you're able to make those closer to season decisions based on what's going on and, and what feedback you're getting in the moment. So what does the process look like, say, if you're doing a fully custom garment? Can you walk us through how you work with a client on that? Yeah, sure. So for a fully custom garment, uh, you would just reach out to me, um, you know, and just kind of tell me exactly what you're looking for. And we just kind of bounce off ideas back and forth. And from there, I just kind of gather information. I also like to you know, it's, it's funny as on sometimes when I get an order off of Etsy, I, or, um, you know, a lot of times I don't see people's face or what they look like. And, and if I'm doing a custom garment, I always ask, like, I was like, can I see some pictures of you? And I keep everything absolutely confidential. Um, so, uh, so anyway, like a lot of times I like to get a, I need to see what you look like, you know, so I can get a feel for like what colors would look good on you. Um, what's your body shape? And, and just, and it's a personal, intimate experience whenever I work with a woman on custom creating something. And so we talk, I always ask them to like, what are your favorite colors? What are your colors that you dislike? You know, tell me your wants and what you do not want. Because I know that when women say they don't want something, it's a hard no, and that is fine. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I start sketching. I bring in fabrics. Um, I get how much is fabric swatches. I do how much is sketches. I, and I do everything electronically with my sketches. So I'll email the, the client with the sketches and I describe the fabrics uh, as best as possible. I send videos of the fabrics. If the client wants to have the fabrics uh, mailed to them, that's not a problem. I do that too. And then from there they pick and choose what they want. And then we sit down and we do the measurements. And so a lot of times I do this. If you live in St. Louis or nearby, we do it in person. If not, it's not a big deal because I want women to be able to get something custom made from the comfort of their home. So um, I send videos on how to measure yourself and I walk you through exactly what measurements I need. And we just, it's a very personal one-on-one experience. So I get those measurements in. I then start making the pattern and I do my own patterns. I do them um, paper patterns um, since, and it's a lot easier sometimes to do paper patterns when you're doing one-off mm-hmm. um, pieces. And so I create the paper pattern. I, I then make it out of muslin or, or maybe a knit, something that's very similar to the end fabric, just so I can kind of see how it fits and lays. And, um, and, 
in a lot of times too, I, I fit stuff on myself or I'll find like a fit model that's very similar to the client's size. Just so if the way I look at it is that if I won't wear the garment, then nobody will wear this piece. So I make sure that the fit is just fantastic before I send it out to get sewn finally cut and sewn mm -hmm. and um so from there and a lot of time and I do send pictures of my process to my clients so as I'm as I'm making the piece I always communicate there's always communication happening throughout the whole process so if they change their mind about something along the way we can fix it but I always tell them right when I'm about to start cutting the fabric I'm like okay final call yeah final call <laughs> before I cut into the fantastic gorgeous fabric mm -hmm. <laughs> so, but yeah there's a final call that I always say when I'm about to cut and then we go into cutting and then from there um I a lot of times I do I do have a very small uh, manufacturer that I work with and he helps me with the sewing and and he sews it up and then he sends it back to me I inspect it I do some I I fit it just to make sure everything's still okay and then I ship it to the client and then we talk back and forth about it you know if there's any adjustments that need to be made um, most of the time there isn't if there is it's pretty minor so yeah it sounds like it's a very involved process and like you said very custom and personal where they're really getting to create a garment kind of along with you um, where you're kind of guiding them of what is going to, you know, fit best, but they're be able to make decisions about, you know, which fabric they want and, and how they really want it to look on them, which is, which is really cool. The thing I found like with doing fittings and pattern making over the years is that women feel so much more confident in something that fits them well. And sometimes they mm -hmm. don't even realize you know, and even sometimes it surprises me too. You put something on and you're tempted to be like, oh, I don't look good in this. And like, think it's like your own body doesn't look good when mm -hmm. it's really the clothing isn't, it's the clothing is what doesn't look good or doesn't fit, you know? And then when you put mm -hmm. on something that actually fits, then you're like, wow, I look so good in this, you know? Like you can like see mm -hmm. it on people's faces when they try on something that actually was custom fit to them mm -hmm. where they like the confidence is there and you you can see that and they they feel it kind of wearing the garment and seeing how amazing it looks and that's always such i know for me and i bet it's for you too such a, a nice feeling to be have a part in that and and being able to give that to somebody through the clothing you're making yeah so what kind of feedback i'm curious of like what what does that kind of custom-made experience mean to the client like have have they had conversations to you about what how they enjoyed it, what it meant to you, and then kind of what do you like about it or dislike about it, I guess. <laughs> I think what I love is just um, having somebody feel just great about themselves. And, and just like what you're saying about, you know, trying on a garment that might be ill-fitting or it's just not correct, um, and you just feel down about yourself. And what I'm trying to do is eliminate the fitting room where you go in with a pile of clothes and you try them on and you feel defeated and you walk out of there with nothing. <laughs> My process is why? Why do that to yourself? Mm -hmm. You know what you want. A lot of women know what they want. And if a woman doesn't know what she wants, she can come to me and just say, help, what would look great on mm -hmm. me? And I'd be like, Or she right, knows what she doesn't do want. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And exactly. then you can help, exactly. I can help narrow it down. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. So, I mean, what I love is just empowering women, having them feel amazing about themselves and just be able to express them and who they are. And I'll be honest with you, I've done so many custom pieces and whenever I do that final fitting, I'm not going to lie, we always end up both crying because we're both so happy. I'm not, I mean, I have, I've had, I've had so many times where I've delivered a dress to a woman and she just broke down crying just because she was like, it's so beautiful. Like, and, and it's just, and it's,
it makes me feel so good because it's like I did something for somebody, you know, I made them feel amazing about themselves and they felt great. And so it is an intimate, personal journey when you go through these things, because it's not often that you get a custom made piece. It, it, it used to be more common years and years and years ago, but you know, it's like, why not have custom clothing? I mean, you get a custom car done on the internet, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like why not get a um, custom piece of clothing for yourself? Everybody's different. And with today's technology, we can do it. It's the new fashion. It's the new future of fashion is what I'm promoting. Yeah. More, that one-off personalized. Um, I totally agree that that is what customers are interested in buying and what, you know, women are interested in wearing something that fits well. And, you know, even again with the whole shift this year with the pandemic, you know, we don't, we don't want to go sit in the fitting room at some store, you know, like that's, you know, if we can get something that fits better and not have to leave the house, like even, even better. Mm -hmm. So I totally, I totally get that. So you mentioned that you have somebody that sews for you. Are there some designs that you make or are you kind of primarily doing the design and the pattern making and then you hand it off to a factory to do kind of the production side of things? Yeah, sure. Um, So when I first started off, I did everything myself. Um, I do have machines and equipment or I can sew something up. So I, you know, I do do the pattern. I do the design. So I, I am kind of pretty much a one man band. Um, but I, I also enjoy it because I can really have control and hands on with everything. But as demand is growing for my pieces, I can't do it all. And mm-hmm. you, I don't want my quality to suffer. And um, my manufacturer, he's a small business. He's amazing. We've known each other for 15 years. And so we work really, really close together. Nice. And he has a ton of different machines and equipment. And so I, he can do any type of stitch. Like I feel like that's why I'm able to offer such a wide variety of clothing because I have a great partner who can do that and um, his construction is top of the line it's top of the line I mean it's it's designer it is it will last you forever and what I've learned from my experience is that you may have a great pat but if you don't have a great sewing machine or a great seamstress it doesn't matter because fit of the garment could drastically change because of the construction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a few questions about kind of the, your relationship with the factory and how that started. Um, just because I think a lot of smaller brands, um, newer brands have a lot of trouble kind of finding that perfect factory to work with that it's hard to find the sewing quality, the communication, you know, being on the same page. So do you have any tips for like how, how you've made that such a successful partnership for you and the factory in terms of like, are there things you do to make sure that you're communicating or to make sure that the quality is there? Um, you know, amongst these different pieces. Do you have any tips of how, how you ensure um, that? Sure. Um, well, before I started my business, I had several years of experience working with several different designers and different labels and companies. And so through all that experience is how I developed relationship over all those years. And I figured out who I liked to work with and who I didn't. Mm-hmm. And the ones that I liked to work with, I sure made sure I kept in touch with them. Um, so as far as my advice, get out there and get experience and work for others. And that's the best way is to is to learn and communicate and talk with others. Um, nothing's handed to you. You got to work for it. Mm-hmm. And I worked. I worked so hard to get where I am today. And, and it's all through trial and error. You know, I mean, when I first started working with the manufacturer forever ago, um, like in 2003, <laughs> 2000, a long time ago, um, when I first started with my first manufacturer, 
oh yeah, I didn't have experience because I was young and there was things that were made incorrectly because I didn't communicate it correctly. So it's through trial and error and getting experience. And it also really helps for me working with all those different companies that I did because I had a team. So if I, one of us made, needed help or made a mistake or whatever, we all had each other's back to help each other out and make it work. So that's my best advice is to get out there and get experience and learn from, from your mentors, learn from the people who've been through it all. Mm -hmm. No, that's great advice. Cause yeah, it's definitely easier to build those connections and just get the experience working from other for others before you're responsible for your own paycheck on your own. Oh yeah. And then you have kind of all those connections and that network behind you when you when you do start your your own venture that you can kind of carry that along with you. You've already kind of built the friendships and the connections. And that is really powerful to have that background. Because it is super intimidating to like jump in at the beginning and you're like, I don't know how to communicate with the factory. They're asking me these questions I don't know the answer to. And, you know, you're just not sure what you're going to get in the end. But yeah, that's really good advice. Just practice. (laughs) Get the Mm -hmm. experience. Um, So how did you, you you mentioned a little bit like when you got busy, you decided to have your factory do more of the production. Um, How did you decide kind of which things you wanted to do yourself as the business owner and what things you wanted to hire out for as your business grew and got more busy? Um, Actually, one of my specialties is um, production uh, management. I was a production manager for several years um, at Linda Siegel and Lori Coulter. So when, and it's, it's a, it's a juggle, it's a juggle because um, you're constantly looking at deadlines, um, which, which client needs what by what date, you know, and if you start seeing things going down the assembly line, but you're, but you're having areas that are getting held up, that's when you kind of have to make those game changing decisions. And, and I'll be honest with you, like it's through experience. Um, you have to know how to multitask and juggle when it comes to production. And, and you also have to keep your cool when something goes awry. Like I got in, for instance, I had like a deadline on all these um, waterfall sweater vests that I was doing. And I got in this fabric and it reeked. It, there was some sort of chemical on the fabric and um, it was, it was wool. I thought I was getting everything natural fiber, but there was something in the dye that I was like, my whole studio reeks of a chemical smell. There's no No. way I can use this fabric. It's gone. And so I, I had, and I had orders on it. I had orders. And so, um, so anyway, I just, that was, that was my day. Like I had to scramble and find different fabric. And it was like, well, because I lost several days. Um, once I find it, the new fabric, I'm going to have it go ahead and ship it directly to my manufacturer and have him cut it and do it instead of me because I lost a week, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it's just, it's a, it's a juggling act when it comes to production. It really is. Mm-hmm. And um, got to make the deadline. That's what it always comes down to. Got to make that deadline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shift things around and to, to make yeah. the, yeah, make the dates work. Because there are always things that come up, like at my previous job, like I did a little bit of kind of the more the product development than the production management side, but still like kind of keeping those deadlines and making sure the factory had everything on time. And there was one and I always built in extra weeks, you know, just in case something came up. And there was one year where the the rolls of fabric were were on a truck but they couldn't reach the factory because there was like a big snowstorm on the east coast and they were it was pretty much like snowed in at whatever you know fedex facility it was at and like couldn't get to the factory on time and we like lost a week because of that it's like how do you plan for that you know (laughs) like yeah it's it's always kind of keeping on track with things and building in the extra time and then kind of figuring out what to do when those things come up so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I also think whenever you have 
the one thing I've always learned is when there's a hiccup in in your production flow, always communicate with your clients. Mm-hmm. Always communicate and just tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. Don't sit here and be like, two more weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> you know, just be like, and I did. I told I told those clients, I was like, I am so sorry. I am not going to cut into this fabric. It's not acceptable. X, Y, and Z. I'm going to do my best I can to get it by the date. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard to plan for the unexpected, which we've all learned a lot during these past <laughs> past months. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Everything is unexpected. Can't yeah. plan anything. Yes, totally. Mm-hmm. So switching gears a little bit, you, you mentioned you sell on Etsy and your own website. Is that correct? Yes. Um, so what does, what has your experience been selling on Etsy? I, I really like it. I really like selling on Etsy. Um, I feel like I'm in a great environment of small business artisans, people, and I, and I love being with a group of artisans, you know, uh, like, and Etsy gives me great support for that. And so they're always giving us like webinars and guidance, or they'll just give us like tips as far as what we need to do or adjust They're they're there for you. And, and I feel like too, with this pandemic, they did a really great job, um, with just helping out with finances, you know, they're like, you know, for this, for these two months, we're going to waive the fees. And oh, that's really nice. You know, yeah, it was really, really nice. And then they also like reached out and they're like, if you can sew, start sewing masks. And if you start sewing masks, we'll give you credits for your account. And, and at that time, I'd, I'd already been <laughs> before I already even started sewing masks. And so I that wasn't that was an easy shift, you know, so I like I like Etsy. I like Etsy a lot. Um, yeah, it's good. Cool. Yeah, because I think it's always I'm always curious to hear kind of the balance of, you know, do you sell direct to consumer from a website? Do you go wholesale? Do you go through kind of a third party platform like Etsy? Um, And then there are pros and cons to all of those. So I'm always curious to hear, you know, how it's going on the different platforms on those different business models and why you picked that. So did, did you pick to go through Etsy just because of that artisan, like the being with other artisan makers? Yes, I did. I went through the artisan route because I'm not a mass uh, manufacturer. You know, um, my pieces are all handmade. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to go that way because all my pieces are very unique and they're one of a kind. And the, I mean, and, you know, I know there was Shopify, um, you know, I didn't go shopping and, and I'm not saying I'm not ever going to go to Shopify. The way I look at it is like more visibility mm-hmm. on the web, the best. Um, but the only thing is that there's a lot of limitations on Shopify. You can't, you can only put up so many listings and so many pieces. And so I would have to go through and, you know, select a very small group. You know, I would have to look at it differently with Shopify. Maybe Shopify would be like, I only put up my little mini collections and I keep changing it over, you know, but then again, you know, it's like the more you add, the more you stretch yourself out and make sure you got time to manage that stuff. Um, as far as my website goes, I did my website because I also learned that I had a lot of clients who were like, who's Etsy? I don't want to, I don't want to go through there. I just want to buy directly from you. And it's like, that's fine. Like, I mean, you're still buying directly from me mm-hmm. regardless, but, but I get it. I get it. Like people get nervous about, um, where they're purchasing stuff, which they should be. You should always be careful about where you're purchasing things online. Um, so yeah, so I have my website, um, my website is actually powered through Etsy, um, which oh. is really nice. So whenever I, whenever I adjust a listing or do something, it simultaneously does it on my website too. So that's really handy. Um, I do. It's super handy. And and the way I look at it is that I need my cost to be extremely low and I need things to be easy. Uh, you know, cause I'm not, my business is not a full-time gig. I got three little kids. I got, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so I'm juggling my, my children and, and then if I can find some time in the day to sneak away and work on my business, it's gotta be fast and easy and inexpensive and I feel like Etsy gives me those things you know I I looked into Amazon like Amazon handmade and I was they they wanted me to join Amazon handmade years ago but man they were expensive 
they they wanted such a large chunk of my sales and and if I didn't make a certain dollar amount each month, they were going to penalize me. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, that's, I was like, that's not very nice. I was like, I'm just a small guy here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and that's why I went, I was like, forget that, you know, Etsy caters to that small business artisan, mm-hmm. you know, the artist, the artisan is somebody who puts their heart and soul into making pieces. They're, very different than that's another reason why I like Etsy because we will we as artisans will take we'll take the time to make sure something's just right before we we hand it over and and whenever I go and I do like when I sell something if I go to like um pop-up shop or whatever I get so excited when somebody buys a piece of mine just because I have a memory when I put when I made it you know Mm -hmm. so (laughs) <laughs> that's really cool it sounds like Etsy and their whole way they operate it's it like it really gets your mindset and your your goals and your business and it's a good fit for you mm-hmm. that's awesome um so you mentioned mask making you've been a big part of the million mask drive in St. Louis this spring haven't you yes yes so how <laughs> did you get involved in that and how has that affected your custom clothing business through this season or like how, how the two balanced each other? Yeah. Um, that was a bit of a roller coaster, but I feel like everybody was on this roller coaster when things shut down in March. So when everything shut down in early March, well, let me back up a bit. So my husband, he's a physician. Okay. And, um, so I, he was giving me all the information, like even before things shut down, he was like, this is happening. He's like, the virus is coming to America. Like he knew weeks before. And he's like, like, this, this is going to happen. Things will go in lockdown. And, you know, hearing about it from him. And then when things did go down in lockdown, and then I see him, he still has to go to work, even though everything's in lockdown. He's a, you know, he's a physician. And so like, he's still going to work, but he's not wearing a mask. Mm. And I'm like, well, did they, didn't they give you a mask? And they're like, well, you know, yeah, there's, there's masks. And then we find out that the hospitals were short because all of the PPE is disposable. And as a country, we were not, we were not prepared for this. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I, I'm not making any custom clothing at that point, you know, like everybody is just focused on the pandemic. And so I just shut down any clothing making that I was working on. And I just switched straight to um, developing a mask. And my husband, every time he came home from a shift, I would be like, I got another one for you to try on, try (laughs) it on. And he was really great. He was like, because I've never, you know, like I've never made a mask before. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, if I can custom fit a woman's bus line, I'm pretty sure I can make a mask. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's like I think I got it. So, but you know, like with him and I working together, and then when I started getting the mask, like I was posting like crazy on social media because I was hearing that the medical community was just short, and and I knew it was short, but I didn't know how short. You know, mm-hmm. and and again, this is all early March when this all happened. And so things moved so quickly from there. And I just got requests just pouring in of nurses and other physicians and everybody just begging and pleading for a mask. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, like, I didn't know it was this bad. And I'm just a one person. I was just thinking I would just make a handful. I don't know. Like I didn't know. I just, and so from there, um, and as I was posting stuff on social media, I had another, she's my friend now. At the time, I didn't know her. Um, Hillary reached out to me and was like, we need you. Like, let's let's work together. Because I didn't want to make any money on this mask. I, it was strictly donation. I didn't want to make anything on it. And so her and I had the same vision. And she's like, we need your help. We We are implementing, trying to get volunteers who can sew and... Um, and since I have a lot of experience in production, um, my manufacturer was shut down. So mm-hmm. I couldn't go to him and say, start sewing these masks. And so with just mass media and emails, also me just, you know, praying and just be like, I need help. And 
I, I got like, I started off with my own personal, uh, group of volunteers. It was about 50 of us just in my neighborhood. Nice. People who could, people who could sew people who are like, I don't know how to sew, but I can cut. And I was like, let's do it. <laughs> and then I had one other person who's like, I'm horrible with a pair of scissors. What can I do? I'm like, you can start like, um, just transporting stuff to everybody's houses so they can keep going, you mm -hmm. know? So I organized this whole production flow and then, you know, and then I implemented my, my ideas and structures of what I was doing with the 1 million mask drive. And then there was like a big merge that kind of happened and long story short, we ended up donating over 12,000 masks um, to um, healthcare workers. And wow. we really, we really helped people, you know, we really did. And um, so I feel like just starting, kind of starting out, I've been trying. So, so it's great that other companies now are making masks because I feel like that burden has been lifted off of me. Um, my only, my only um, thing is that I just kind of wish that a lot of these masks were a lot more sealed mm -hmm. um, because the mask I developed, I was trying to make something as close to an N95 as possible. And we actually had the hospital testing our mask, um, making sure that it was sealed as close as possible. So, you know, um, as far as transitioning, uh, you know, I still had orders of my business kind of coming in. And so I was kind of juggling clothing and masks and kids. And <laughs> <laughs> Everything, <emotions>. yeah. <laughs> Every day, just life. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, and then I had a nice break this summer to where it wasn't as demand. But, of course, now with school starting, the demand yeah. has spiked up because people are now learning like, oh, I can't just buy any mask anywhere. Um, because, and you need kid sizes. Right. And so I planned ahead for that back in April. I was like, we need to grade this thing out to um, as many sizes as possible. And I helped with the grading. And, and so I was already ahead of that. Um, it's just, uh, I just wish other apparel manufacturers were too. So I've had already, I've had a lot of requests recently saying, so I bought masks for my kid, but they do not work. Can I get one of yours? And I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, so it, the masks are going to be here for a while. So I have embraced it and it's all good. I'm here to help out, <laughs> to give people masks. I'm more than happy to help out. It's my contribution. And I, I, like I said, I don't, not looking for, you know, a profit on these masks. The only masks that I sell that, um, you know, make, make some profit on them were the ones that I do like some artisan crazy creation to it. And, um, the more fashionable high end ones, just the really super fun ones, but they're still sealed high quality masks, but, um, those help pay the bills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw some photos of like hand painted, like different designs that you had done on the mask and. They look fun because we're going to have to be wearing them. Might as well make it fashionable, right? Yes. Yes. Cool. Yeah. You were, you were one of the first people, certainly locally, that I had seen back in the spring starting to make masks and being really involved in that. So that's really cool that you did like so much of the testing and again, like the fitting process and caring about that um, instead of just like, let's put a piece of cloth over our face, like really taking the time to develop that good fit for multiple sizes in a mask. Um, that's really awesome. And fits right in with what you do with your clothing too. So. <laughs> well, if I'm going to do something, we're going to do it right. I mean, like, I'm not going to, you know, that was kind of my whole thing with the mask. It, it, well, any of the clothing, anything I produce, I'm like, well, if we're going to do this, let's get the right materials. Let's get the right pattern. Let's get the right fit. You know, we don't want to waste time and money. Like, let's do it right, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So tying into that, I know you um, are conscious of, you had mentioned several times, like natural fibers um, and more sustainable uh, fabric. So can you talk a little bit about how sustainability plays into your brand and your design process? Yeah. Um, so I'm a huge advocate of sustainable fashion and, um, and just 
trying to push for a better future. So the fashion industry, a lot of people don't know this, um, is just a huge uh, pollute, like huge polluter and um, the waste that comes out of it. So how am I making it better? Um, one, I use as much natural fibers as possible because um, one, it's natural, and two, there aren't a whole lot of chemicals involved. So at these mills and these factories, you know, they're not producing um, all these chemicals that go up into the air or into our waters. And two, it's not great for the workers who are uh, making these fabrics. So natural fibers. Um, and then, and what's super cool about technology is that like, for instance, you know, a lot of people, when they think of wool, they're like, oh, God, it's so itchy. I know it's natural fiber, but it's so itchy. But, you know, I got in this um, amazing uh, bamboo merino wool. Mm -hmm. You can't even tell it's wool because the bamboo is a very cooling, um, silky fiber. And yeah, it, just it, encase, and it And it encases that wool fiber. So when people hold it, they're like, this is so light. It's so silky smooth. They have no idea that it's wool. And it's, it's amazing. There's the technology. It's there. It's there for the natural fibers. And we can do it. And so anyway, there's that. There's also, um, that's the reason why I keep either no stock or little stock. So I keep low or no inventory. So I don't make waste. Mm -hmm. um, I don't mass produce. So a great analogy to this is, you know, when we sit down for dinner and my, my children start filling their plates, I'm like, you know, only put on your plate what you're going to eat. We don't want to waste our food. And it's the same thing with how the clothing manufacturing is like, they don't have that idea. Like it's, let's make as much like clothing possible and let's try to sell it all. And it's like, well, that. You know, like, for instance, that's the reason why so many clothing manufacturers, not clothing manufacturers, clothing labels and department stores are really struggling right now because of because of the pandemic COVID. Too they, much they, inventory. They, yeah. Too much inventory. They filled their, their stores up. They filled everything up and then they can't sell it. So whereas I don't do that, I say like, oh, you would like to have a dress or top or whatever. Let I, you know, like, for instance, like my my uh, sweater coat you know um you can get that in two to three weeks very short turnaround mm -hmm. and so it's it's there it's doable um also i use all my materials i use all my fabric remnants i have a whole box full of fabric remnants that i go through and i pick through because i also like to do a lot of like little accessories like little brooches or maybe i make some little um applique that goes onto a shirt or a dress or sweater um, so I reuse all that stuff. And if I do end up throwing away some fabric, it's very, very minimal little scraps and it's natural fiber. So it's going to go into the landfill without a problem. Mm -hmm. um, Decompose quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope I answered everything. No, you did. <laughs> I was just, I know, um, I think I'd seen in some of your Instagram stories recently, you had been talking about kind of some new sustainable fabrics you got. So I was curious how that all ties into your business, but you, you definitely answered it. And yeah, definitely yeah, um, the cutting down on excess inventory is a huge thing, both from a business standpoint and from an environment and sustainability standpoint of it's, it's better not to be sitting on a bunch of stock that doesn't sell or is in the wrong season, you know, at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. So that's cool how you're able to make more sustainable choices in how you run your business. So what is coming next for Shanna Britta? Is there anything new for fall holiday that we should be keeping an eye out for? Yeah, sure. So um, like I said, some of my, my trend pieces that I'm going to be doing, um, I got these cocoon sweaters that uh, you can also choose the sleeve length on it. You can either get like a long sleeve or three quarter sleeve. Um, I'll be making those up in um, this model uh, sweater knit and it's, um, so we got those pieces. I also got in this gorgeous um, ECAT uh, fabric from India. It's 100% cotton weave. It's um, like a beautiful cream color. And um, it's only making up blouses and some tunics in that. So a lot of my pieces for this um, holiday season are going to be easy to wear, but you're also chic. You're, you just, you and you look fabulous but at the same time it was very easy to just throw it on and go 
And a lot, since a lot of people are working from home, you know, it's like, you still want to feel put together, mm-hmm. but you still want to feel comfortable. And that's what these pieces are. And all these pieces with the high quality fabrics and the high quality construction, these are pieces that you're going to keep in your closet for a really long time. Something else that I am actually in the process of working on, and I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm working on uh, the concept of farm to fashion at the moment. And I am in touch with a knitting mill who is um, partnered with local farmers who have sheep and llamas and um, an alpaca. And so uh, I am going to be getting in some pretty amazing um, knits uh, from, from there. And, um, what I'm so excited about is that you could be wearing one of my sweaters and I could tell you the name of the sheep who helped make your sweater. That's so fun. (laughs) Get a picture um, with the sheep. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So I'm just really excited about sustainability and, and that's kind of the direction I'm going just trying to make the world a better place, Um, you know, empowering women, uh, feeling good about the things that you bought and what you wear. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really cool. I'll have to keep an eye out for those when they come up. I have one last question for you that I ask everyone at the end, and I think I know what you're going to answer because you've mentioned it several (laughs) times, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, If you could communicate one value to the world through your clothes, what would it be? Empowering women through sustainable fashion. Nice. Got several things in there, but I I love it. That's, That's a great mission to go for. Well, this has been a really cool conversation and I learned so much more about your brand um, and how you started and where you're going. Where can people find out more about you and follow you online? Um, so you can go to my website at um, www.shanna, S-H-A-N-N-A, Bretta, B-R-I-T-T-A.com. And um, you can also find me on Etsy. My, you can just in the search engine there, you can just put in Shanna Bretta, S-H-A-N-N-A, B-R-I-T-T-A. I'm also on Instagram. My Instagram feed's pretty fun. Um, you'll see me cutting and sewing and painting and hand embroidering and making patterns. Um, I try to show the whole process through my Instagram and also on my Facebook uh, page, same, same name, Shanna Bretta. And thank you so much for having me um, on your podcast. This was very lovely to talk with you. Thanks for joining. And I will include links to all those, your website, Etsy, and social media, um, in the show notes so people can look through everything and follow along. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Haynes, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.